Our scripture text today comes to us from Exodus chapter 32, beginning with verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-beings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, give us the power of the Holy Spirit not to think of this as a story about them, the story the Holy Spirit is telling about us. We ask it in the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Amen. It has been three months now since Moses led the people out of Egypt along the hard road of the wilderness. Along the way, they have been taught the lessons of faith in God. Faith when there was no water. Faith when there was no food. And faith when there was no security. Now they are called to learn the lesson of faith when there is no appearance of God. Perhaps the hardest lesson of faith at all. Everything that the Hebrews knew about God, they knew through Moses, the mediator between God and the people. When they left Egypt, it was because they were following a dream that God had given to Moses. When they got through to the Red Sea, the waters were parted with the staff that was held by Moses. Along the way in the desert, when the people ran out of water and food, they made their complaint to Moses. Moses brought it to God, and then the people found their provisions from God. When they were threatened by the desert warrior Amalek, they survived the battle only because it was the hands of Moses that were lifted up to the skies. Now when they arrived at Mount Sinai, and they have the terrifying theophany at the top of the mountain. It is Moses who goes to encounter God on behalf of the people. But Moses has been on Sinai now for 40 days, and the people have become anxious. Anxious because their mediator is gone, which means they have no experience of God in their midst. So when the people say, 
we do not know what has become of this man Moses. What they're actually saying is, we do not know what has become of Yahweh. Like the Hebrews, you too have been pursuing a dream or a calling for a lot longer than three months. And along the road, you too have hit some hard, hard spots in the journey. But you discovered that you could handle any loss as long as you could somehow find God in the midst of that loss. But what happens on the days when you think it is God that you have lost? Well, those are the days in which you start looking for something a little more tangible to worship. So the people said to Aaron, make gods for us. And so Aaron said to the people, give me your gold rings. Then he formed the gold into a mold and, and cast the gold into the image of a calf. I've I got to tell you, I, I've always wondered about this part. How could a bunch of runaway slaves have enough gold earrings to make a golden calf large enough to put an altar in front of? Stay with the text, Craig. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> what we do know is that when the people saw the gold calf, they said, ah, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. We know about this kind of anxiety. Now, it's clear later in the 32nd chapter that God saw this gold calf as an idol. While he and Moses were up on the top of Sinai hammering out the Ten Commandments, this gold calf problem violates certainly commandment number two and probably commandment number one. But the people hadn't even heard the Ten Commandments yet. So it's not clear to me that they were abandoning Yahweh with this calf. What is clear is that they were anxious that Yahweh had abandoned them. And so they started looking for something else to worship. I mean, it's striking that no one in the community at the base of Sinai stood up and said to the people, okay, this whole God thing did not work out. Who has plan B? something that doesn't involve a god. No, no, they, they would just look for something else to worship. In the words of G.K. Chesterton, when people give up worship to being the god of heaven and earth, they do not worship nothing, they worship everything. Well, we know about that. Like the Hebrews, when we, when we get disappointed or God, or we cannot find any sense of God in our lives or in our society, we, we look for something more tangible, just like they did something we can mold with our own hands, something we can control, something that is less mysterious and demanding and comes on command. That's the great thing about a gold cow. You can, you can just put it on a rope and drag it anywhere you want. If you get tired of it, it'll just be right there when you're ready for it again. It promises things that reassure you, and it doesn't come with any commandments. We've always liked that in an idol. All promise, no demands. Uh, 
It's also striking that Aaron does not think that he's made an idol. Remember what the text just says is that Aaron puts an altar in front of the calf and says, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord, to Yahweh. Aaron thinks he's created a liturgical symbol. Now later, when Moses comes down and reams Aaron out for this idol, in verse 24, listen to this lame excuse. Aaron says, well, they, I said to them, whoever's gold, take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. <laughs> you gotta love it. Great leadership there, Aaron. But at the time, he thought he was helping their worship of Yahweh. There is a very fine line between symbols and idols. And it's very easy for a symbol to cross that line into idolatry. The power of a symbol is supposed to be in the thing that is symbolized. If the chain around your neck that holds on that cross breaks and you lose the cross, that doesn't mean you've also lost your theology of the atonement. It, it was just a symbol. But historically, it has been proven over and over and over again, probably every day, even in our own lives, that symbols take on powers as ends into themselves. Just try removing the American flag from a church sanctuary. <laughs> You'll see about the power of symbols. Well, God accommodates our need for symbols and even provides them, like the Ark of the Covenant, which shows up a little later in the story. But God will not be contained even by the symbols that God provides. And that's because God is intent on us learning the hardest lessons of all along the way in the wilderness, which is what it means to have faith in God when all traces of the holy are very thin in our lives. Fred Craddock has written that we, we live by faith because of and faith in spite of and both are needed. If you were to make a list today of faith because of, you wouldn't have that difficult of a time making a long list. I have faith because of all of God's abundant blessings in my life that I've learned to pay attention to. I have faith because of the gift of love I've received, the gift of breath that's in my lungs again today. I have faith because of creation and all of its glory today and that everything necessary for this day was created by God before I even woke up. I have faith because of God's forgiving love in Jesus Christ. The list will just go on and on and on. But if you're courageous enough to develop a list of faith in spite of, that list could also get pretty long too. I have faith in spite of the great heartaches and wounds I have experienced along the way, even along the way in pursuing God's call. 
I have faith in spite of the injustices that continue to abound in our society. I have faith in spite of just how amazingly slow the kingdom of Christ is coming. I still choose faith. Faith because of. Faith in spite of. We need both. But I believe it is our experiences in faith in spite of that make it grow strongest. Again, there's a reason God brought you on the hard road in the wilderness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.